You're listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Talk Daredevil, the Daredevil podcast brought to you by the Save Daredevil campaign. Now, everyone always talks about the acting and the fight scenes, but here at Talk Daredevil, we really want to start nerding out over corners of the show that might tend to get overlooked. Now, last week, if you listened to our episode, we covered the science of the senses on Daredevil, and today we are going to look more deeply at the music of the show. Luckily, we have a resident expert on our team. Hi, I'm Christina, the resident music geek. And she is going to walk us through some really cool musical moments from the series. Now, Christina, why don't you tell everyone who's listening why you are our resident expert? Sure. Well, first of all, I'm a classical singer by trade. I have both a a bachelor's and a master's in music. And Although I never specifically studied film scoring, I've always been fascinated by it. Even when I was a kid, I loved music and I could sit and listen to a symphony or listen to a sonata, but I was much more interested in music that had a visual component to it. So I'd rather see an opera, I'd rather see a musical, I'd rather see a ballet, and I'd rather see films with really great scores. Mm. As it turns out, So many iconic movie scores out there, they go with genre film. They go with science fiction. They go with fantasy. This is not to say, I mean, there are some fantastic scores to dramas and romances. It's not to say that that doesn't happen. But I've always found myself drawn to the scores of big, epic space battles, superheroes, wizards, that type of thing. So I've always kind of had an ear for that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I have a lot of film score geeks in my life. I find that I do appreciate a piece of work even more when there is something in the score that especially moves me. Well, this is why I'm not the one that's going to be sharing all of the expert analysis and, you know, and the breakdowns of these moments. But I am very excited as someone who can at least on some level appreciate that mix of music and the visual. Sure. I'm excited to be here to just kind of chat about it with you. So I guess, you know, why don't we start off by kind of just talking about the Daredevil score as a whole, you know, we can even dig into a little bit about John Pisano, who is the composer for all three seasons of the show and Defenders. And, you know, let's just talk about how music in general has been used on the show. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to admit to uh, being a complete newcomer to John Paisano. Mm -hmm. I had not heard his stuff or really known his name until the show. Uh, So I looked him up, like, what else has this guy done? Mm -hmm. And, and what really kind of was his big break in the business was Maze Runner. Mm-hmm. He scored Maze Runner. And what we know him for, of course, is Daredevil and the Defenders. He actually got an Emmy nomination for the main title music for Daredevil. I think that went to Jessica Jones instead, hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, if it's got to go to someone else, it's okay. Right. It went to Jessica. Right. That was also a really good... Uh, title sequence. Yeah. And he also scored both of the big popular Spider-Man games. Yes. Yes. And I really enjoy, again, another example of the visual going with mm. the the music. Talk about stunning visuals. And the music right. is just as cinematic as the visuals are, which I find really cool. 
Absolutely. Yeah, my husband has played the Spider-Man games, so I have been lucky to hear those scores in my house. <laughs> yeah, same here, same yeah. here. And one of the things that interested me is that he studied with two of the greats mm. of film scoring. He studied with John Williams and with Jerry Goldsmith. Mm. And I love both of their work, but that kind of interested me because I don't hear a lot of that influence in Daredevil and the Defenders. Um, Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams, their most popular stuff, the stuff that most people know, it has huge themes, very, very over the top. Oh, Luke must be coming because we're hearing Luke's theme. Oh, Obi-Wan's coming. There's Obi-Wan's theme. Right. You know, that type of thing. And you don't really get that in Daredevil and Defenders. It's a lot more subtle than that. Mm -hmm. I don't recognize Jerry Goldsmith. What would I know him from? Jerry Goldsmith wrote the famous uh, Star Trek fanfare that was used in the first Star Trek film, which then was also used for The Next Generation. Mm. If you have been to the Soren attraction at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. I've walked by it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Disney attractions, hands down. Uh -huh. He did the score, and ah. I was very happy when they revamped the ride that they kept his score. That was mm. the first thing I was like, don't you mess with that score. That's not <laughs> funny. And and they didn't. They kept it. That's very cool. So, like, what's your general assessment of the scores overall? You know, kind of from season one, season two to season three. Something that's really interesting to me is that there are some films, TV shows where you watch it once and that music is in your head and mm. it is just running through your head and you're singing it. This is really not one of them. The music is much more subtle, almost like watercolor in the background as to oppose a to a big acrylic stripe across the screen. Mm -hmm. um, there are moments where you hear the Daredevil theme and it comes out really loud and strong, but those are saved for the really huge moments. Yeah. For the, you know, Daredevil is fighting Wilson Fisk, you're gonna hear it. Not something where a certain theme follows a certain character. It's almost more like there's ambient music and ambient sounds that kind of are mood related. Mm. What kind of a mood is going on on the screen? Um, and I think it's very effective. Something else I noticed is that in seasons one and two, there's a lot of electronica. Mm -hmm. There's There are definitely instruments, there are voices used. So it's not like it's entirely electronic sounding, but that's pretty prevalent. You hear that a lot, a lot of percussion, um, not really heavy with strings and brass and stuff like that. Then Defenders shows up, and Defenders has a much larger and richer orchestra, and that carries through to season three. There are many more sequences with a full orchestra. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he even throws a choir in there. And I haven't been able to determine if that was a kind of stylistic choice or if it was budget-related, mm -hmm. if, if they went, okay, you can have an orchestra. Right, um, right. But it's, it is really interesting to kind of hear that develop as the show goes on. Yeah, I think I noticed that too when I first watched Defenders. And I think maybe, you know, I could be wrong. It feels like because they had to start weaving together essentially the four different shows themes into one score on the defenders that maybe expanding into a full orchestra helped in that because there is a very distinct vibe to each of the defenders characters but then i i did love that once we got into season three i again as just like as a casual viewer and a casual enjoyer of the music 
I immediately notice like, oh, yeah, like it's still very atmospheric and it's still very mood setting, but it does sound like there's more. And I think it was one of the I don't remember which episode of the pod it was. It was recent, though. I remember Christine saying something about how the score feels a little extra, you know, Hmm. in season three. And so that's probably why. Right. Just those extra instruments, that extra choir. It's just that extra oomph to the whole yeah. thing. Definitely adds to the drama. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And there is a lot of drama. In yes, definitely. <laughs> There's a lot of pathos. There's a lot of really deep stuff going on. And, you know, going back to the Defenders, I thought he did a brilliant job because he had to work with characters that he had not scored before. Right. But um, that other people were familiar with the music. And mm-hmm. I thought especially... He did an especially good job with the Luke Cage moments, mm, I thought, mm-hmm. in weaving in music that sounded like it belonged to Luke, right. that kind of went with him, mm-hmm. um, which cannot be easy. I, I can't imagine, you know, going in with someone else's score already established to yeah. these characters. I thought he did a great job. And especially because Luke Cage itself is, I don't think I've ever listened to the Luke Cage score on its own, but obviously it's a very hip hop heavy show, you know? So there is a lot of, unlike Daredevil, they are using actual songs to set the mood and the tone in addition to whatever background score there is, right? Obviously on the Defenders too, they do use a couple choice songs. Yeah, yeah. In a few impactful moments, but you know, you still have to kind of carry that mood into the instrumentals, right? I think the Defenders theme is very much a favorite next to the Daredevil theme. There's something about it that I don't know. Like you were saying, sometimes it's hard to remember what a score sounds like or, or what a, a song sounds like from a score. The Defenders theme, for some reason, will always like stick in my head as much as the Daredevil theme. Yeah, I especially liked in Defenders the thematic music that went with Kan Lun. Mm low cellos yeah it it sounds very rich and kind of far off and very mysterious almost as if you can kind of see the mist yeah that's that's covering uh the mountains i i I especially like that yeah yeah all right so how about we walk through a few specific moments that you sort of keyed in on as far as just things that are very special uh, in the show or little interesting bits that us as just, again, casual viewers wouldn't have necessarily noticed. And I think the first one we have on the list is the music that's playing when Batlin Jack is about to enter the ring in season one, episode two. I love that music. That is possibly my favorite music from the entire series. There's this sense of longing to it, mm-hmm. and there's this sense of pride and inspiration that just works so well for that scene. And I was delighted when season two came along, mm-hmm. and in the final episode of season two, when Karen is writing her What Is It To Be A Hero article, mm-hmm. he uses the same theme. Only this time he has much longer. And so not only does he use that theme, but he develops it and it builds and he can actually do a lot more with it than he could do in season one because there wasn't enough time. Mm -hmm. 
that music to me, again, it just strikes me as being extremely inspirational. And both of those scenes are very inspiring. Uh, the scene where Battling Jack is going into the ring, having decided he's not going to throw it. Mm -hmm. And Karen describing the heroes in New York and telling her readers that they themselves are heroes. It's very inspiring. Right, right. I think obviously one of the most memorable musical moments of season one would be when Wilson Fisk and his cronies are being arrested by the oh. FBI. You're going to have to tell me which song that was that specifically is playing in the background or the name. I, I can hear it in my head, but obviously I'm not going to be able to tell you, tell you what it is. You are going to tell me what it is. So the piece is called Nessun Dorma, which uh, translate in Italian as Nobody Sleeps. Mm -hmm. And it is from the opera Turandot by Puccini, which is a really weird opera. I'm just going to say it. The okay. plot is kind of all over the place. Um, but this is one of the most famous things from it. And it's of Luciano Pavarotti singing it. And he probably has sung that better than anybody. He's It's just brilliant. And I was so fascinated by this choice of using this that I actually um, tweeted at Stephen Denight mm. and said, I'm just curious, why did you pick this piece? Because and right. he actually answered and said it had been his ringtone for a long time <laughs> and that he always associated Wilson Fisk with classical music. And right. we see that throughout the series. But um, so I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I think okay. it's fascinating that the lyrics to Nessun Dorma. It's about a man who uh, right now the entire city is trying to find out what his name is. Mm -hmm. And he is, so he's like, no one sleeps. Everyone is out there. They're trying to figure out who I am. They will never figure it out. And the very last thing when he sings that ridiculous high note, which I mm. believe is a B, which is ridiculously high for a tenor, um, he says, vincero over and over again, which means I will win. Hmm. And so I, I think it's so cool that people are being rounded up and arrested and you hear the protagonist singing, no one's sleeping, no one knows who I am and I am going to win. And it just kind of fits. Right, right. And I guess it's a bit, I guess, unintentional, but it is a bit of foreshadowing for the way Fisk will reemerge, at least for some time as the winner, you know, yes. in season three. Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, now, I know you also had some bits that you wanted to talk about from Defenders. Yeah, my favorite bit in Defenders happens in episode two. And it's when Matt is being mad again, not really thinking. And he decides to break up this uh, fight at a shop in his business suit, no glasses, everyone could see who he is. I spent a lot of time yelling at Matt during Defenders. Right. And I think we all did. 
Um, there's this really cool moment after it's over where one of the people involved in the fight says, who are you? And you hear played slowly and drawn out the first three notes of the Daredevil theme. And then the fourth note comes and the fourth note is wrong. And it's actually the fourth note is a half step too low. Who are you? And I immediately, I don't think that was an accident. I think that was definitely a commentary saying, I'm Daredevil kind of, because of course, at this point, he had sworn off being Daredevil and he said yeah. he wasn't going to do it. And I just love that little musical wink mm. of, um, that's when, I think that's when scores do their best work is when someone on the screen is saying something and the music is contradicting. Right. And I, and that was a perfect example. Yeah. Can you think, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but can you think of other moments where the Daredevil theme has been played around with or changed a little bit within the context of the show or that particular episode to sort of illustrate where Matt is as far as, you know, because I'm wondering if in season three there's any of that sort of tweaking of the theme because he spends so much of that season not wanting to be who he is. You know, not that really stands out, although there's kind of an example of that in the uh, the New York Bulletin fight with him mm. and Dex, where you can hear the Daredevil theme sometimes morphing into the Dex theme. Mm-hmm kind of depending on who is dominant in the fight at the moment. And you can kind of hear the Daredevil theme start and then no, no, now it's the Dex theme. So he, uh, he definitely plays with it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think there is another season three moment that you had on our list, which is when Wilson Fisk first comes out in his white suit. Oh, yes. This was kind of epic. And uh, we said before how Wilson Fisk, there's often classical music being played with him, especially they like to play Bach unaccompanied cello suites. Mm-hmm. It just kind of speaks to his very dignified the soft-spoken exterior that you see before he completely breaks down and becomes kind of a monster child. Mm -hmm. And in this scene, it starts with him getting his possessions back. And you see the movers coming in with all of the artwork and they're playing this Bach. And then you see him looking at his suits. You see him put on the suit. And I think all of us are thinking, let it be white, let it be white, let it be white. (laughs) And then he arrives and he walks out in the white suit. And what happens at this point is that there are now two different versions of that same cello suite being played at the same time, and they are a minor second apart. And in English, mm-hmm. uh, a minor, tell me what a minor second yes, is. Because <laughs> I know people are like, what the hell? What is that? Um, a minor second in Western music is a space between two notes that is as close as it can be and still be two notes apart. Hmm. 
So you've got a minor second, and then if those two notes get any closer, then they're unison, then they're the same mm, note. Mm-hmm. And that's in that's in Western music. There are um, definitely Eastern cultures where they have spaces that are even smaller than that. We really don't do that in Western music. And because it is so close but not the same thing, the effect is it's jarring. Yeah. Um, Because whether you're aware of it or not, your brain is going, I want those two notes to be the same. They're too close. They should be the same. Why aren't they the same? Uh, In fact, I happened to be at my daughter's elementary school once when there was a fire alarm that went off. Mm -hmm. The fire alarm was a minor second. (laughs) I I think that alarm companies do that on purpose because they know it's a really annoying sound. It sounds weird. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds weird. It puts you on edge. You want it to fix and it doesn't fix. And uh, that was so gloriously twisted to see him standing there and he's got that smile on his face and you hear this beautiful classical music, but it's wrong. It's just wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some of your favorite songs from the scores? Do you have ones that you you like to revisit or you like to listen to uh, over and over again? Yeah, there are a couple. From season one, there is this really beautiful music that's played for Ben and Doris when he visits her in the hospital. And there are kind of versions of that with the same electronic type of sounds that he also uses in season two for both Electra and Karen. Mm. And I always think of that as just like the romance music. Right, right. It's nice because it feels very small. It feels very intimate. It's not big and soaring. It's quiet and it's understated, kind of like Ben and Doris's relationship. You know, they've been together for so long. It's not the, oh my gosh, I have to rip your clothes off moment <laughs> anymore. There, that's in the past. It's the, it's the, I know exactly how you like to have your coffee mm-hmm. type of relationship. And the music really reflects that. And I love that one. And then there's one that's the Murdoch family theme Hmm. that plays. And it's really used to brilliant effect in season three when we get the flashbacks of Maggie and her postpartum depression Hmm. and eventually deciding to give up Matt and return to the church. It's haunting I hear a lot of regret in it. And there's a wonderful moment in that scene where the music abruptly changes when you see Father Lantham's face as he's mm-hmm. about to lead Maggie out. So that's that's one I really enjoy.
I say if you're in the mood for a rewatch, go ahead and rewatch this really with an ear towards the music because it's really interesting the things that there are always times when you watch something where you're deeply affected and emotionally affected by what's going on on screen. And sometimes it's really interesting to look and say, well, why? Why is that working so much? Sometimes it's the camera angle. Sometimes it's the writing. Sometimes it's delivery by the actor. And a lot of the time it's the music. And especially with a score like this, where, like I said before, it's not big cues. It's not huge fanfares. It's much more subtle than that. It's really cool to hear some of that music. And I do know that uh, John Paisano on YouTube has several of these cues up. So you can actually listen to the cue without the visuals and mm -hmm. kind of you can get to listen to it a little bit more closely and a little bit more carefully. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that especially with the Murdoch family theme. I really got to listen to it and kind of just let it wash over me. Um, I'm very curious to see what this guy does next because I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I truly hope he comes back. I, you know, if we are able to see the show revived, I feel like it should be a no brainer. He should be brought back for Absolutely. whatever, you know, whether it's an official season four or, you know, a, a soft season one related to the first three seasons of the show. I just think that he brings such a subtle and deft touch, I think, to the superhero score genre. And obviously he's still in the family. You know, he's he's done a lot of different things for Marvel. So fingers crossed that we can see his work again. We'll not Absolutely. see it. Listen to it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, any other closing thoughts for us as far as music is concerned? Anything that other than rewatching, anything that we can do to just gain a better appreciation for when we do listen to musical works? And You know, it's really interesting to see the music that you really like in, in something like this in a TV show. It's interesting to see if it pops up again in the same series. For instance, that remember I, to, I told you about how the inspirational music for Batlin Jack, how much mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, after I saw that scene, I was like, okay, that's Batlin Jack's theme. That's mm -hmm. the way I looked at it. Mm -hmm. And then clearly when it showed up in season two, it's not. That scene had nothing to do with Batlin Jack. And that theme, that's when I started to think of it as the inspirational theme. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of interesting. There's music that plays when Fisk is being a monster mm -hmm. that is very different from the music that's being played when Fisk is being that cool and collected mob boss. So it's not even necessarily that characters have their own themes, but uh, it's almost as if their state of mind has a theme mm. where uh, Fisk's state of mind is the music is very different depending on what a state of mind is. Interesting. Yeah, I'm excited for the next time I get to rewatch the series. There are episodes that I love that I've watched a gazillion times, and I do feel like my my body has absorbed, you know, <laughs> the musical themes from those episodes. But it, it would be a lot of fun being able to look at it kind of more broadly and and really start listening. If some of you haven't listened to our season three episode, Christina drops a little a couple things in that episode too. You know, rewatch and listen closely. You know, they're doing some interesting things in the background with the music. Well, that's all I can think of. So I just appreciate you sharing 
your knowledge and your expertise with us. I think for so many of us, you know, obviously the Daredevil intro is like one that we can never skip. And while so many of us do love the score so much, um, and it's just always nice to learn a little bit more about why it is we probably love it so much. If you guys have any questions for Christina, uh, you know, you can go ahead and leave it in the comments, either on our social media or on YouTube if you watch our podcast episodes there. If you haven't started following us yet, you can do that. We are at Renew Daredevil on Twitter, and we are Save Daredevil everywhere else. But yeah, hopefully we're going to try to find different things to nerd out about when it comes to the show. I think there's so many people that have very specific niche um, expertise <laughs> on things on the show that we wouldn't even think of. And um, hopefully we're going to be able to pull together a couple more of those for you guys to enjoy. So other than that, thank you, Christina. This was a lot sure of fun. Sure thing. And I want to encourage people, if you have a favorite bit of music from the show, drop that in the comments too. Yeah. Share, share those moments that really, I know for a lot of people, it was the end of season three, Matt crouched at the church with the huge choir. That was, you know, yeah. a lot of people that was their favorite. So tell us what yours are. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. For more information on Save Daredevil, please visit our website at savedaredevil.com. Remember, Murdoch's always get back up.